Hey there, I'm Gail, one of the founders of Atari Hacker, and today I welcome you in a new temporary podcast series called the Undercover Success Series. It is a series where the Atari Hacker team and I will interview successful authority site builders and owners. It's not your typical interview series, though, not the kind of stuff you will hear on other podcasts. These people are not here to sell anything. They don't have any training, any software or anything. They just come out of favor for us because we ask them to come on. You've never heard about them before and you will probably never hear about them again after this series. There are people that actually run these businesses. They don't sell online marketing training or anything. Today, we are going to be talking to Mauricio, who is one of the first authority hacker readers that I have ever talked to. He is an HPro member. He lives in Malta and he runs multiple, very high quality, five figures per month review sites. So he focuses on review sites. So in this interview, we will dive into his journey as well as talk about tactics that he is using today to do as well as he does. Before the interview though, we have a webinar on Sunday where I will break down the five steps that you need to follow to start your own successful authority site fleet. We will also be launching Authority Hacker Pro at that time. You can get all the details on authorityhacker.com slash webinar. Now onto the interview. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hi right, guys, so today we got Mauricio Proust, is that how you say it? Actually, the, the German pronunciation is Preuss. Yeah, Preuss, so. okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I actually studied German for seven years and I'm absolutely terrible at it. But that's not the topic. Today, we're here to talk about you. So can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, thank you, Gael, for, for inviting me to this uh, to this podcast, to the interview. My name is Mauricio Preuss, as you just said, and I'm 30 years old. I am, well, what, I'm considering myself an internet marketer, I would guess, or an authority website owner for a couple of years. And I just moved, like this year, I moved from Berlin to Malta. Yeah, and I think it was a good decision. Nice weather, nice people, good business environment. So yeah, I, I don't regret it. <laughs> How is it like living on an island compared to living on the continent? I guess. I guess you will keep talking about like living on an island like can feel limited sometimes. Does it feel that way? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, we live. We don't even live on Malta. We live on the on the small, tiny island next to Malta, which is called Gozo. But I think it's a refreshing change from like a busy city as, as Berlin is. So I've I've lived there maybe nine years or so. Mm. Now I really like the quiet environment of the island and the sun and, and the ocean and also being able to focus a lot more on work because I think I get more things done here actually than Berlin. <laughs> yeah, that's like getting older. Mark also wants to move out from Budapest and just move to like, the <laughs> countryside, etc. I just turned 30 as well. I haven't wanted it yet, but it might come in the next few months. But like you're living there because you can because of your websites, right? So can you just give us an idea of like, what you do and how well it's doing and obviously share as much or as little as you want on that topic. Yeah, sure. So my uh, business partner, who is also my husband, who moved with me here to Malta, we uh, we own and operate a couple of authority websites, both in English and in the German market. And let's say the websites are strongly review related. So we in the, on the German websites, we generally have uh, physical products that we review on on Amazon, for example, and the English websites that we own are more centered towards uh, software and services. So we have like a good mix of affiliate partners. So even if Amazon crashes or lowers the commissions or what have you, we still have like a like a backup plan. 
Yeah, what we do with those websites is we try to create the best content possible, <laughs> as should be the goal for any authority websites, I, I guess. And we also dabble a little bit into uh, YouTube and producing videos and yeah, producing uh, helpful content for the readers that is not only text, but also images and videos. For example, for the products, we buy the products ourselves, virtually any products that we review, we have here in, in, in stock. So we take the photos, we uh, produce videos. And I think that's working quite well because the websites are individually all doing over five figures per month. So uh, we cannot complain. How many websites do you have right now? So I would say we have three main authority websites that generate those five figures plus, and then we have smaller websites that we start on the site that hopefully develop one day into more, into stronger affiliated websites, into authority sites that generate at least five figures, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're more or less in the same place with Mark, actually. The portfolios are pretty similar in size and revenue. And you've been doing that, that stuff for how long now? Like how long ago did you start? Quite a long time. So I started, well, when I finished high school in Germany, which is called Abitur, I finished the school and then I worked for an online poker school called Poker Strategy. Maybe some of you know that poker school, they would give you $50 for free to start playing on one of the poker rooms. And obviously they had an affiliate deal. So whenever they Whenever they sent people to the poker room, they would get a revenue share of, of the people that were playing there and obviously could then finance the $50 up front to incentivize people to join their school. And I worked there as an online community manager, so I really was into creating and managing content and a content team quite early on in my career, not as a business owner, but as a general, as a normal employee. But I had really a lot of freedom in terms of how much budget I would manage, how much I would spend on translations and on videos, on content and so forth. So that experience actually taught me to manage a team and taught me also what good content does, which results in more signups, which results in more people, more players joining the poker platforms. And after that, I was working there maybe for two years, two and a half years. And then I thought, hmm, wait a minute, I could actually do this on my own, right? I could actually mm. start a website and create some content. Unfortunately, I start an, a, a poker affiliate site. I should have done that in the past, <laughs> but I was just sick of poker and I, I just didn't want to be in that niche anymore. And I as many of you guys probably also have read the four hour work week from Timothy Ferris, and that introduced me into the concept of outsourcing even more and freeing up more time. So I started my sites, dabbled into a few random niches I thought maybe working, some uh, guides for uh, people ha having certain problems, some affiliate stuff, some web hosting affiliate stuff, etc. And it was working out all right, but then. Penguin hit and destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> so you did the gray hide stuff before, right? Like you were just yes. buying like public blog networks, like build my rank, that kind of stuff, I guess. No. Yeah, I think I bought services from Blackhead World back in 2011 and 2012 because it was working so well, right? Yeah, I started the website and and it was making four figures within three months or something or four. So uh, it was ridiculous. I mean, you've you guys have have talked about that on your podcast as well. And those were like the the golden uh, pre penguin days. But then obviously I got hit and it was devastating for me, right? Because I moved off of the job that I had. I had no income. I only had the IM income. And from next day to another, I. I, I had to start from scratch, right? I couldn't afford my writers because I had built a small team back then. I wanted to really scale that. And then it just didn't work anymore. So 
I decided after that thing hit, I decided I, I want to stop gaming the system, so to speak, and I want to build a real business, or at least I, I want to stop doing the gray hat, black hat stuff. Okay. And then what happened? So, yeah, I started one of my main websites today, which is in the online uh, software and services space, broadly speaking. And I started that maybe five-ish years ago, mm. maybe 2012, after Penguin, yeah, 2000, the early 2013 maybe. And I started as a small niche or classical niche site that was focused on a particular software. And then I decided it was better to broaden the scope a little bit because I, I didn't want to narrow myself into just one niche or into one particular area, so to speak. So I rebranded, I moved the domain from one domain to another, and now I have, a, a, I believe I had a better foundation for adding more categories, adding more guides, maybe adding products later on. So yeah, that was my thinking back then, and it still is today. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty happy I did that, and I've been doing this for the last years actually. So I have a question actually. Since you're doing like basically only reviews on your site, and I've seen your site, and they're like the top end of review sites. I would say they look really really good compared to the average of the market. It's not your classic Thrive Team comparison table type thing that you'll see everywhere. It's it's much nicer. But like, thank you. Uh, and you talked about the branding, like branding broader. For people who start, would you advise starting broad right away or starting narrowed and broadening up? That's so difficult to answer, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> I'm asking because I'm actually wondering, you know. <laughs> yeah, I actually gave a, a talk. I, I visited Vienna last weekend or, or two weeks ago, and I had an uh, internet marketing meetup, and they asked me to speak there. And my partner and I, we, we spoke there, and we recommend people to start with a broader site and then focus inside that, or at least to pick up a domain name that will allow you to venture into more niches or more categories inside your inside your niche. You can start small. You can pick one category and then start from there and then broaden up. Obviously, you don't add like 10,000 pieces of content and have a, a very broad affiliate site, so you have to start somewhere. But I would start with this end in mind to have a broader site to really build an online asset that can serve you or can that can generate income for years and years to come and that you can eventually sell as a better asset. Yeah, that's what, what I would recommend. Okay. Uh, it's kind of similar for us, except we're trying to have like more of an end game vision. So when we plan on selling stuff like info products, for example, we actually advise on branding around that sub-niche where your main info product is going to be because, you know, selling on your site is so much more, like it requires so much more involvement from the readers than like clicking on an affiliate link, you know? The yes. Convincing them that like you're the expert on that, et cetera, is, is quite important. So we have some sites where actually branding pretty narrow because we have the info product in mind in the end. But like, mm -hmm. if you're going to do pure reviews, I agree with you completely on like at least branding the domain broad. Because despite the fact that it's much easier, like you know, now three hundred one redirects, they don't lose any kind of link equity or any kind. Of, like, it's much better than it used to be. I still rebranding is is a bit of a pain in the ass. So it's, it is. It, yeah, it's still a good idea to start with the same domain that you'll finish on. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I, I'm not a product guy, so I have absolutely no experience creating yeah. products. I'm just an affiliate guy, essentially. So, uh, yeah, but uh, what you what you tell me makes actually sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I try to, like, otherwise, if you're like, if I'm not sure, I usually try to brand broader. I'm like, worst case, I just build that site. It's going to be, like, mostly affiliate stuff. And, like, 
you know, probably I won't have the bandwidth to go further along because like building products is definitely takes more bandwidth. So if that's the case, then I go broad. If I already know I want an info product, and if we have like a strong editorial team that can create that product already from day one, then yeah, I'm usually trying to brand narrower and consider building multiple sites in the same niche and use the same link building targets for all these sites, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's also an opportunity. Like you can start one narrow and one broad niche site at the same time and essentially do outreach for one and the ones that say yes for your links just outreach these same people with the other side. Yeah, that's true. But I think that's obviously only possible if you really have the resources, meaning yeah, the financial right. resources or the, the team resources behind your back. But if you're just like a one-man show starting out, I mean, that would probably not be possible. True. That's a really good point, actually. So you actually followed us since almost with the beginning. You're like one of the first emails I ever received on Authority Hacker, actually, if I remember. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know like, that. <laughs> one of the top 10, like the first 10 emails I received from readers. That's when, like, if you go check the first blog post on Atari Hacker, it's probably our worst blog post by far. And <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, you liked it. <laughs> and, and, cool. Uh, what was it about? I can't even remember. It's but like, it, uh, I think it's like four skills you need to start on Atari Hacker. It's very broad, not very... Oh, okay. That's, yeah. It's, yeah, not my favorite post, to be honest. But hey, it was there. And like, how did you, like, where were you at in your business when you stumbled across us? Yeah, good question. I think even though I, I knew about the advantage of processes, SOPs, blueprints, etc., I, I think my processes and blueprints that time, they were, they were just a mess, right? So I, I really didn't know exactly how to format or how to how to bring my thoughts onto paper and then in an effective way to my team even though I, I i thought back then that i had a lot of experience managing the team but i was still doing a lot of the communication directly with the people that were working with me and i repeated myself over and over again so and that's why i was always looking for people who were publishing interesting content that would help me in my specific uh, situation. For example, you guys, you manage a large team. We manage a couple people. So, and you publish a lot of uh, a lot of free content that that actually hints towards uh, what's on the other side. And uh, I just uh, I, I like the way how genuinely you were sharing that information, and you set yourself apart a little bit from the other uh, online marketing blogs that I was reading in the past, or that I was uh, that I stopped reading in the past because I just didn't enjoy them anymore. I didn't learn anything from them. For example, I mean. Nothing against Pat Flynn, but it's just like a good way to to start something or start a small affiliate site. But then you move quickly away from from that. So the information uh, that you can get from the the more popular, so to speak, internet marketers is very little. So I was looking for an alternative, and yeah, you guys nailed it. I mean, I like it's like Pat Flynn is great when you just want to get started, right? I want to say that it's just like when you actually get some success, your problems become completely different. You know, it's not like what hosting Correct. should I pick, etc. And so I guess that was the the tactic behind Atari Hacker. Actually, you start with the advanced stuff and then regress back to like the more basic stuff. I guess that worked okay. We can do better. But uh, another question I wanted to ask because you're in H Pro and a lot of people that like we're gonna launch this podcast just before launch essentially and, and a lot of people like read the blog but you know they've bought a bunch of info products and they're like well you know about the info product and it's basically the same as the blog just like rehashed or whatever so like did it feel that way when you checked the Tori Hacker Pro 
if yes, why, if no, why, basically? I think obviously there's uh, intersecting content. So obviously there's from the free part, I mean, there's obviously something in the paid product, but what the paid product does, I think, or what it does best or better than other products that I've bought in the past, and I've bought expensive courses, uh, but the Authority Hacker, they... You guys, you put the blueprints in front of people and those blueprints, if I had had them earlier, I mean, I think I would have been at a different place in my business years earlier because you can take those blueprints, essentially, you can test the blueprints quickly and then you can modify them to your needs or to your team's needs and run with it and improve it along the way. And that is something that you obviously don't get on the free product. So it's just more than rehashing the free content that's out there. It's literally what you guys advertise as well. It's uh, the business blueprints that obviously shouldn't be copied exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I was that should say, be adapted to your own point, needs, you know. of course. Yeah. But no, that they help if you run, if you already run a niche sites, if you're making, say, four figures or three figures or whatever, and you're looking for the next step, what really, and you're willing, and that's important, you're willing to reinvest the money that your site makes, I think then your blueprints are really gold because you can advance quicker and yeah, time is money, as you say. So uh, yeah, it's really worth it. I wanted to ask actually, like also... What was the most challenging part when you like had to scale up your business? So let's say like, you know, when you, you say like when you joined, you were a little bit all over the place, etc. Um, what like I know now you have a bigger team. I, I actually know some of the people that work with you and it seems like it's running really well right now. So how did you get from that point to where you're at now? It was a, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a mindset thing. I think I was before I was a little more into, I need to get, the best deal on content possible. I need to pay as little as possible to publish as much as possible. So like the, the shotgun approach. Mm -hmm. And I think your, or what your course told me is I can be, I need to plan out things a little more strategically, especially the guides on how to set up different kinds of review content or different kinds of money-making uh, buyers intent content. The, and the systematic approach is really what helped me move the needle making upper four figures into the five figure realm i think and then being able to afford the staff or pay more for staff that could actually take managerial responsibilities and take a lot of weight off of my shoulders as well i see like do you feel like if you're in like were you afraid of investing the money or because you didn't know how to handle it or was it just that you couldn't afford it back then I think I, I think that was how I was supposed to do it, right? Because I was reading a couple of blogs that are that are advertising, hey, pay as little as possible for the content and and publish a lot, right? So shotgun approach, publish a lot, invest as little as possible into content and but not really focusing on the process itself, not really focusing on the feedback process with your writers. And I wasn't really afraid of investing money because I've always reinvested the money that my website's made. But it was more like I, I didn't know any better, so to speak. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Another mm -hmm. question I wanted to ask based on what you just said is how much did you spend on a piece of content back then versus how much you spend now? Yeah, so when I started, we, or let's say one or two years into my first authority site, I maybe the site was making four figures or something. I spent maybe three cents a word on writers. Most of the writers were Indian writers, and I was doing the uh, the editing myself. So I got a piece of content which was more or less crap. I spent a lot of my own time 
to edit the content. And then I would uh, put it up to the site that it met my standards. Now, I spend more money on the content itself. So I would say the average is maybe more towards six cents a word for a piece of content, five to six cents a word for a piece of content, sometimes even up to eight cents, depends really on the writer. I think for me, it works better because then I get a better piece of content and I have to spend less either of my time or my editor's time to really make the content perfect and shine and, and publish it on, on the websites. By the way, when I started the authority websites, and maybe we can come to that in a, in a later point in time, I wrote all the content myself. So I was the sole content creator for maybe a year or six months or eight months or something. I can't really recall, but I wrote maybe 200 articles myself. And then I started outsourcing and doing all of that. You thought it was valuable to write everything yourself initially? Yes, I think it was a valuable experience. I don't think that you have to write 200 articles yourself in order to really get the most out of it, but it helps you certainly provide better feedback to your writers, yes. Yeah, I agree, actually. I think it's like that's the only way to actually know what it takes to make good content in your niche. It's hard to outsource caring. It's hard to mm -hmm. see who cares if you don't do it yourself initially. So every time we start a new site, and that's why, to be honest, we're not starting new sites as fast as I'd want to because we try to get somewhat involved in the niche. We also buy a bunch of products in that niche, etc. Like when we do on the new sport, I'd literally like take us like a, a course in that sport or whatever. Like I really, mm. and I like take notes when the instructor talks and I like go and do keyword research based on the technical terms, that kind of stuff. So it definitely takes time, but I also do feel that when we actually sp spend the time doing that, the site is much higher quality and most importantly has more potential for the long term versus like quickly spouting a site in like a week and, uh, and hoping for the best essentially. So, I wanted to ask you, you've been doing online marketing for a while now, like 10 years or something, maybe less? A little less, I think, yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you feel things have changed and where do you see things going in the next few years? Good question. I think things, I mean, the, I think the basics, the basics haven't changed all that much, to be honest. When you start a site, you need to... There are essentially two main things that you need to do. You need to create content, obviously, and you need to build some links. I would say, depending on the market you're in, content is obviously more important because without content, your site cannot rank and Google cannot interpret what you're trying to do. So in terms of that, I think if you focus your efforts onto creating the best content possible, it sounds a little bit like a platitude, but that's what it all comes down to, creating good authoritative content and then outreach is easier, you can build more links, you can build better links. And I think those two quote unquote tactics, they will also work in the future. I don't think that, that that's going to change. And I'm not sure if Google's going to be around, but I, I think good content is always going to work and you're always going to be able to do something with your content that you created. There will come other players that index or crawl your site if it's not Google. That being said, I do think that we all have to fight against lower click-through rates from the organic searches. I mean, we all know that Google is displaying more ads. So that's certainly a change that, that we have been witnessing over the years. Overall, the click-through rate is going down, meaning your clicks are go down that, that come to the articles. So alternative traffic methods where you should also focus on that, for example, social traffic. I mean, I know you guys have some experience with Pinterest. Mm -hmm. We are Unfortunately, our sites are maybe 90% organic, so we haven't focused on the social aspect yet. But yeah, I think that's, that, that's going to be the, the name of the game, focusing on content and on various traffic methods. 
I agree with it. I think the good content and like links slash promotion is always needed. I think what changes with time is the definition of what is good content and the definition of what is a good link or a good promotion channel. Like think about like content on websites in 1992. It was like like plain HTML and like if you had headers, it was great. Now it's easier to create websites, a lot easier. Like you can literally drag and drop create websites. But yeah, you know, the true. standards expected are also much higher. Like people are like using very refined operating systems, whether it's on mobile or it's on desktop, and it looks amazing. Like it's made by <coughs> Apple or Google or Microsoft or whatever, and they ex- expect an extension of that experience through the websites they visit. Except that we're not Microsoft or Apple or Google, and yeah. we got to do the best we can in like making that stuff look great, but also you know provide more original insights. So like. For example, vlogging is big now, and I feel like authenticity is like people are, are, are rejecting the corporate communication. That's why like smaller sites tend to do better, and like people like Casey Neistat and maybe MKBHD on, on YouTube like does better than The Verge, for example. And that's because they do feel more authentic. And like using these trends of what people want in terms of content and putting that in yours is. I think what sets you apart. But I, I think that goes way beyond SEO or whatever. It's more about... Yeah, that's true. And what I would say are, are two things that, that came to my mind. So one is, if you say that the type of content is going to vary or, or the definition of what good content is, is going to vary, that's absolutely true. I think a lot of people or beginners, they see websites and they see all those websites created with Thrive Content Builder and complicated layouts. I think that good content doesn't mean it is great looking content necessarily. So you can have shitty content, which is well formatted, obviously, which is better than shitty content, not well formatted, but the format itself or the design itself doesn't make uh, good content. And what, because what people ultimately do is they read the text, they read the words. And if you cannot convey authenticity, if you cannot convey authority in your copy, I don't think then this is going to help you. It's not going to help you building a flashy site with good tables and what have you on the long run, at least. And that's why, for example, on our product sites, we create here in our in our house, we create the videos of those machines, of those product machines, and build a, we build a YouTube channel that has now, the product website has 6,000, 7,000 followers on YouTube. And People love the content because we really examine the machines. We have a back and forth in conversation about the product. We argue the pros and cons. We show them how it works. Is it noisy? Is it what does it work well? And we make almost just from the YouTube channel alone, we make almost four figures because we we post affiliate links just below the YouTube headline. So just in the first thing in the descriptions are generally affiliate links of the products and we tell people in our youtube video hey if you want to check the price on amazon click here the the first link in the description and people click through it and they generally feel because we're not selling right we're not and that's what i wanted to focus on we're not we're not having the same corporate marketing speech that they read in a brochure we are consumers that really or consumers advocates that test the product and people know that they feel that and they know that we know the machines that we've tested those machines content is either the text that you write on the website with interactive elements audio video but it's not so much that it looks flashy or has a lot of graphics or tables and you know what i agree with you from the end user's perspective but what you can call the industry a little bit bullshit on is that actually flashy looking content even if it's terrible but it looks flashy when you do your <laughs> outreach, like I'm talking about the influencers, 
that you ask a link to, whatever it is, right? These people probably 10% of the time read your content, but 90% Correct. of the time yeah. they don't. They just look at how fancy it looks and how trustable your website looks. It's kind of like a fake success metrics because you'll be able to build links, but then people will, you will rank, then people will land on your website and think your content is crap and not buy anything. And then that's the case of a lot of people that I see kind of like really hardcore following IM stuff without really caring about the niche they are in, you know? And they end up having like traffic, they have links, they have everything, yet they don't make money. <laughs> and that's because of that. That's because you can actually fool the people that will help you rank with nice looking sites, but you cannot fool the actual buyers that care about the niche more than they care about the way your site looks. So it's, yeah, uh, I agree. it's kind of a weird thing where you can do everything right in, on the metrics level, but still not make money. And usually that's why. Usually that's because, well, it, it's obvious like you have cheap content, it doesn't recommend the right products, etc. And that will make a big difference in your earnings. And that's why well, when you have a site in that situation, like we've had it before, and we've literally redone all the content from scratch. I've literally like scrapped everything and got everything that was ranking rewritten properly by people that knew about the niche and revenue was so much better. Yeah, so, correct. I'm seeing the same thing. So we just talked about YouTube, but like, and that was my next question. Like, what are like one or two tactics that work really well for you, like right now? Um, you can share as much as as you want about these tactics, obviously. But like, sure. I'm just curious about what you found that's doing well lately. Yeah, I obviously I'm always a little bit weary of uh, the word tactic because. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is obviously the work that, that you're willing to put into it. And then it's less the tactic than, than the actual doing it over the long haul. But yeah, video and YouTube generally has worked for us, for my partner and I, we, it has worked great uh, for almost all of our sites. At least the time on site spent or the, on the page spent is, is higher where we embed a video strategically on the page. But also, as I said, within the videos uh, themselves, they're doing great, especially if they're recommending recommending and showing Amazon products, they're converting quite well, making money. So that's what we do. Obviously, it's video creating video is a lot of work. And I'm not saying that you should always create videos because I think there are better things that you can do to build your authority site and then maybe later start with video. But if you're knowledgeable in creating videos, if you're a video guy and you know how to work with microphones and cameras, then this might be something to differentiate yourself from other guys or girls in the industry and, and really kick ass because video has been doing great. Another thing that's been great for us is still the skyscraper approach for link building but then again it's not a secret that's not a secret tactic of course but i would call it bread and butter i mean if you really if you do it right and if you don't copy just the blueprints that you find on a blog or an authority hacker or whatever but you make it your own you test it you switch up the headlines and improve conversions i think then it's going to work for you. But then it comes down to the nitty gritty processes of what you need to, uh, so what people do you need to bring in, who's going to do this Excel sheet and to who is the, the person sending the Excel sheet to, what is the other person then doing with the Excel sheet? Either you do it yourself or you have other people doing it. But Skyscraper is working uh, very well for us. And I would say, I think you call a shotgun skyscraper or something. <laughs> yeah. So. It's like our spin on it, essentially, you know? 
Yeah, and I think it's a good spin because obviously we've used this for, for our websites and it's been working great. We've created a lot of backlinks and I think our traffic show our traffic numbers show it as well. So yeah, it works very well. It's not a secret tactic, but it's what we do on a daily basis. So I think it's worth sharing. It's more about nailing the basics. I, I just feel like, you know, I was reading a bunch of Facebook groups over the weekend, just like laying in the grass and doing that. And, you know, I keep seeing people asking for, like, new ways to build links, et cetera. And usually these are the people <coughs> with, like, 25 linking root domains to their site, right? Yeah, um, correct. And I'm like, no, just, like, like take the basics and, like, le- like figure out how to do it a thousand times without spending a thousand times the energy. And I think if, if you're looking at the backlink profiles of my sites, or or at least of uh, of the site that you know, I've done everything, right? I've done infographics, I've done the EDU thing, the scholarship thing, what I wanted to say, I've done... Uh, interviews. I've done a lot of guest posts. I think we've done 250 guest posts or something on good websites alone. So it's all working out. Uh, You can build links from those tactics, especially the infographic thing, because people tend to have forgotten about it right now. I think you mentioned that in your podcast as well, that it tends to be, it was very overused a couple of years ago, and then now it comes back a little bit. But the skyscraper still brings in the most links. So we focus on that. Yeah, fair enough. 80-20, you know. Another question is, if you had to start over today, which the environment is very different, like what would you do differently and what would you maybe not do? I recommend people not to take or not to fall into the uh, into the trap of taking sh- or wanting to take shortcuts because... I think there are there are no real shortcuts to what we're what we're doing. Uh, some people compare it uh, compare the sprint to marathon, and I think we're like more in the marathon game here. So I would tell myself, if I'd start over, I tell myself, as we've said in this podcast before, focus on the basics, and most importantly, start now. <laughs> so yeah. don't wait another day. Just start now start now because i mean it's the best day to start today right um there's no there, there shouldn't be any excuses and that's what i would tell myself i'd still start now don't wait and people are for example they're i mean i'm i'm coaching a couple of young people that that, that start out and they're thinking like three weeks or five weeks on a domain name and i yeah. said guys just register any domain that's like not horrible and get going or right? don't think about your brand or registering a trademark or what have you just get started you know we actually just got the trademark for tori hacker literally like, <laughs> literally two weeks ago so yeah so, yeah two years in the game or something right so it's uh, uh, yeah. yeah almost three but yeah it's like it's it's a bit late maybe but uh after someone bought authority hacker pro.com we just figured out it was a good idea i'm not saying it's not important right but when you just start out there are so many different uh, different things that you need to focus on that are just much more important than all those because it is so tempting right it is like a a to-do thing that you can check off your list and then you've done it and you feel productive but in in actuality it's it's not (laughs) yeah i mean it's i keep telling people like nail your basics you know it's just people they're always looking for fancy stuff and crazy plugins to put on their site so like you know what i mean like whereas it's just like okay how can i get the first hundred pieces of content down how can i get the first hundred links if you already have a a website with a hundred pieces of content and a hundred links like it will most likely make some decent money. Like if you pick the niche properly, like yeah, you can definitely make four figures a month already. So it's, I mean, depending on the niche, sometimes a hundred links is not a lot, but in some niches it's a lot. Like I have some, some sites in niches with like less than 20 links, like making close to four figures already. So yeah, it's, nice, yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely possible. <coughs> now, 
Let's talk about another case. Let's think about someone that has made, like, let's say, three figures a month, started a few sites, but never really went past that. What would you tell them? Mm. Yeah, it obviously depends a little bit what the, I mean, what is the reason why why it didn't take off, right? So is it because your content is not good? Is it because you were focusing on the wrong things? I mean, it, it's really hard to give a blueprint there because you don't know the specific site. But I think if you were able to create four figures a month, I think then you are you are on the right track and you may need to uh, just focus a year or two more years on what you've been doing in the past, but just keep plowing through. For example, creating maybe a little more buyer's intense content because maybe you've been focusing on not revenue driving content, but traffic driving content. Maybe you should switch gears a little bit into more, more buyer's intense keywords. That could be a reason that people are not buying or, or that you're not making more money. I think creating content is never a mistake once you nailed a little bit of your keyword research and you made sure that the keywords or the niche that you're targeting has enough people searching for it, actually. But yeah, it's, it's a little tough. Obviously, it can also be if you're only making a couple hundred bucks a month that, I mean, that you have to venture into, into a different territory. However, I, f I feel that once you've made an initial hundred bucks or 200, 300, 400 bucks a month, I think it's a sign that there's potential, that people are willing to buy something. And I think, as you mentioned before, honing in on the basics and maybe just plowing through is the only thing that you need to do. Because I remember with one of my sites, I mean, there there wasn't much movement for maybe 14 months or something. Mm. And then it took off, right? It's sometimes, and I don't know, I can just speculate because you never really know that a specific tactic yielded X and Y results, right? You can only guess. I maybe have just been doing the wrong things on that particular site, but it just took this 14 months and then it started to generate more revenue, more traffic. So if you start a new site or if you're like six months, eight months into it, maybe it's just a kind of sandbox thing from Google that you're not getting enough organic traffic and you just have to be a little more patient. But as I said before, it's really difficult to to give a blueprint here because it depends so much on the situation and on the site. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, for us, Health Emission also took more than a year to really like be noticeable in terms of like revenue even. We didn't know what we were doing, to be honest, when we started. So I think that's, we didn't have HPRO. It didn't exist back then. But yeah, it's like, fair enough. I also think that people that don't do well personally is like they do like they do things that they should do, but they probably don't do it well enough. So mm -hmm. the content is not good enough. The outreach is not efficient enough. The site doesn't look good enough. You know, that kind of stuff. Like It's kind of like... If you could like 10x the power of everything you do, then you'd make good money, essentially. It's really challenging still. I mean, it's for us, one of the main challenges, for example, is finding good writers. I mean, yeah. that's still, I mean, that's never, I think it's never going to change because, I mean, and also the fluctuation in staff, right? You have you found a good writer and the writer tells you, oh, yeah, I can write 10,000 words a week. But the truth is almost no writer can really write 10,000 words a week, like for a year or so. I mean, there are very few professionals that can actually manage this quantity, I think. And you have a lot of churn. So you have to find writers constantly and train them up. And then you have your editors and then an editor quits or is burned out because if you want to publish so much content, then you have to find people who are putting the content up because it's not work that you want to do for more than a year, I think. <laughs> but yeah, those challenges are they repeat themselves 
themselves uh, over and over again, even if you make five or even six figures a year, I guess. I would say that 75% of Mark's job is to just keep the machine running, you know? Same here. Yeah. It's so much work. It's like that's when growth becomes challenging, actually. And that's definitely like not a beginner's issue, but like when you get to a certain scale, the percentage of your time spent on maintaining what you have increases over time and the challenges is to actually work on that maintenance without having it take more of your time so you can work on growth because usually teams are good i mean you're able to like do more of the same thing but like online definitely changes a lot and if you just keep doing the same thing it's not good for your business so it's also good to figure stuff out but when you don't have time it's difficult so yeah that would be the challenge but we'll probably talk about that maybe in the webinar or something but the last question i have for you is like what's your plans what's next for you yeah, so uh, the websites, are, our main websites, they are running, they're running quite well. So we're very happy with the overall development. I think focus is for us, for my partner and I, is going to be scaling that. So we know now what works. We know the, how the processes should look like. So we need to scale our team. And what we've managed to do now is to remove ourselves a little bit more from the day-to-day grunt work and have people in place that can do a lot of our tasks so we can focus on quote unquote, higher level thinking or higher level level tasks. And that's what we what we try to do. So we apply the what we learned from our other websites, we apply to new websites. So we've uh, now spent maybe five figures on an on an age domain uh, that we bought from a business partner or a former business partner of, of ours. We bought that domain because we found a good that has had a good backlink profile. And we want to do more of a, a comparison review websites because that's what we know. That's what we what we're good at. So we we're trying to build this pretty young website out, but it's picking up nicely because of the of the age of the domain of the backlink profile and it's already making money. Well, we have invested five figures in content and five figures into the domain itself. So it takes a while, obviously, until until this is caught up. But yeah, so spending more of the time that we've freed up from the day-to-day grunt work and investing this into higher level thinking and more towards newer authority websites, I think that's going to be a good focus from now on for us. Okay, well, thanks for joining the podcast and uh, sharing your experience, Mauricio. I'm sure we'll hear about you in the future somewhere in HPro or in the community or something like that. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me, Gail. All right, thanks for listening to the interview. I hope you learned a lot on this podcast. I certainly did, and I often talk to Mauricio to bounce ideas on creating high-quality reviews and review sites in general. If you want to learn some of the tactics that we talk about together more in depth, you should join Mark and I on Sunday's webinar. You can get all the details on authorityhacker.com slash webinar. And tomorrow we have a second interview. We're going to talk to Robert, who has started his first site in January with us, with the Authority Site System when we launched it. And now he's already making over $8,000 per month, which is really good in under a year. So tune in tomorrow if you want to hear his interview. We'll also talk about tactics and how he did it. And hopefully that will help you get your own website running.